Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about how to glorify the Lord with numbers. Numbers, that's right. My mother was an account, was a math major. My sister is an accounting major. My niece is an accounting major. Numbers, 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 numbers. In fact, my sister, my brother, they both aced calculus. My son, he never even studied for calculus. Me? I got to use a calculator. I don't know. The gene pool got desperately separated when it came to me. But we've got a very special show. In fact, in the studio today, my sister, my niece, my sister's been my sister all my life. I know many of you find that hard to believe. And it's and, and many of you, if you want to you know, text in to 727-487-9863 and tell her how sorry you feel for her, it's okay. You can go ahead and do that. But I've got my brother-in-law, Jeff, in the studio. He doesn't really want to participate in the discussion, but he's known me since I was 11. Again, you should feel pity for this man, because he's known me since before I really loved the Lord. And not, you know, I'm still, good grief, it's been 37 years. The poor man deserves sainthood. All right, and then my very special niece, Cassie Voss. She's so very, very special to me. My first niece, really, my first niece. I'm just so grateful to have you here on the show today. So welcome to mother-daughter, super team duo, Sue Wilson, Cassie Voss, and my brother-in-law, Jeff Wilson. Welcome to the I Work For Him show. Thank you very much. It's fun to be here. We're glad to be here. (laughs) Yeah. 
Really, Cassie, you could be more convincing. <laughs> this is Cassie's first time on the radio, and she's not that excited that her uncle rope-a-doped her into the studio today. But you know what? When you guys hear today the things that are on these two ladies' hearts, you are going to be impressed, and that's why they're here. So before we get started, though, as we always do, is there anybody you guys want to say hi to on the air? Cassie, got anybody you want to say hi to on the air? I'll say hi to Chad and Natalie. Who Chad would be your, your husband. Correct. Okay, Natalie's, he's a great guy, too. And Natalie's my daughter. Nat- and if Natalie's listening, she's saying hi back. She's going, Mommy, I want to be there with yes. you. That's right. Sue, anybody want to say hi to? Absolutely. I want to say hi to my son, Jake. I want to say hi to my mom and dad in Arizona. As opposed to your mom and dad in some other part of the world? Well, that would be your mom and dad, too. Just yes. don't forget that. I called them. Okay. I called them. And again, we should. You, if you want to send a text message to my mom and dad. Yeah, really, seriously. No, I called them to make sure they were listening. And they already had it on. Good. So mom's listening. So uh, hi, mom and dad. Uh, Jeff, did you want to say hi to anybody? Yeah, no, Jeff's not talking. He's not going to let me rope him into this. But I will tell you this, that it is because of my brother-in-law, Jeff, that I sit here five days a week. It is very important to know in the testimony of the I Work For Him show that this show wouldn't be on five days a week had my brother-in-law not shared from his heart in May of last year. And And he said to me very powerful words that were spoken from the heart of God into my heart. And that's why we're on five days a week, because I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it had he not spoken what he said. All right. Before we get started with our conversation about how you two ladies are glorifying the Lord with numbers each and every day, I want to hear how Christ is making a difference in your life first, because our listeners need to know your normal people who struggle with life, that I don't bring superhumans on here, although you two are pretty close to superhuman. Cassie, how's Christ making a difference in your life today? Well, I am definitely still learning every single day new things from mom and dad and from you, from everyone around me. Um, But just kind of living my life uh, true to who I am and what I believe in and trying to um, let others see that and teach that to my daughter um, and just everyone around me. So. Cool. Sue, how's Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, even though I'm a lot older than my daughter. And really, frankly, a lot older than me. (laughs) Hey, that's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To answer your question, though, you know, even though um, I am much older than she is, I would still answer the same question. I'm still learning every day. My perspective changes every day. God shows me new things every single day. He'll show me how to love somebody that I have a hard time loving. He'll show me how to respect someone that's harder to respect. He's taught me more about leadership. He's taught me more about um, just relying on him instead of relying on my own resources, my own skills. And so I'm still being groomed. God's still got great plans for me that are still an unknown to me. And I just am along for the ride and saying, God, show me where you want me to go. Well, if you if you live to be as old as your grandmother, whose namesake you carry, really your face sake that you carry, you be not, you still you got still 40 years ahead of you yeah. of, of influence. Not even just a little over halfway there. Right. Barely barely over halfway there. That's right. That's incredible. All right. Listen, I picked out a Bible verse for you two that talks about numbers. Okay. This is from Leviticus. We rarely do people go into Leviticus and find chunks and nuggets of knowledge in there, but it says, your scales and weights must be accurate. Your containers for measuring dry materials or liquids must be accurate. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. God cares about accuracy and accounting is all about accuracy. I mean, you're trying to get the numbers right. I mean, every day, Cassie, you're reconciling 
you know, people's expense reports and all the other stuff. I have no idea what you do every day, but I know that you got thousands of people that you're helping, and it's accuracy. It's all about accuracy. So you're you're helping students go to college, you know, as the uh, CFO of a, of a of a college. I mean, numbers are what this world revolves around, and it should come as no amazingness that God created all of that that numbers. So, Cassie, you're you're working on your master's degree, your MBA. Uh, you haven't gotten your CPA though, right? Correct. Okay. Do you ever want to get your CPA? No. No. <laughs> How does that make you feel, Sue? It's she what she's like been it. saying. She said she said that with such fervency. No, no. Because well, she asked me that a lot. I really have no desire to be practicing public accounting. Kind of, I'm more behind the scenes in the finance world. So, okay. She doesn't want to be in a CPA. And neither did your cousin, because, you know, my daughter thought that she would follow in Aunt Sue's footsteps. And yeah, that, that went down in a blazing ball of fire. Well, not everybody's made out for public accounting, but I got to tell you, without the staff accountants, without the controllers, the people that aren't necessarily CPAs, there would be a lot of empty seats on the numbers bus because you need a full set of skills, not just the leader, the one that's maybe big, more big picture, more full enterprise uh, looking, but you need somebody who's really good at crunching numbers, someone who's really good at spreadsheets, someone who's really good at identifying and troubleshooting when things are out of balance. And so it, it isn't just about the CPA. There's a full set of people that usually mm-hmm. support a CPA. Well, it's got to start with the bookkeepers. It's got to start with the people that are just entering numbers all day long. It's what they do. They like it. They're, 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 they're happy about just entering it all day long, all day long. I mean, you need those people. You need a lot of those people. All right. So, Cassie, you're working for a national accounting firm. Sue, you're working for a, a, a really great Christian college that's, uh, you know, 1,500 students in uh, St. Bonifacius, Minnesota. You did either of your four-year degrees, Cassie? Your well, and I know the answer to this next question. So did either of your four years, four-year degrees, prepare you for bringing your faith into your workplace? Go ahead, Cass. Go. I spent four years at um, a private Christian college too for my undergrad, Northwestern University in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's actually Roseville, but you they say St. Paul. Yeah, um, and they work really hard to prepare you for life outside of the bubble, as they refer to it. But, um, so the school is a bubble? Yes. The environment. But it's still culture. snowed inside, so it's like a snow globe. Yes. Okay. Only part of the time. All right. But you really can't prepare somebody for what they're going to encounter outside of school. I mean, you can guide them and have a foundation for them. But, any, I mean, anytime you step foot into your next job or your next whatever it may be, you can't be prepared for that. That's something that you have to just... Take one step at a time and use what you've learned um, to help guide you. So, so you're saying it actually they did they did at least give you some preparation. Yeah, that's absolutely. cool. Now, Sue, you didn't have the privilege of going to a private school, uh, which I know is why you guys sent Cassie to a great private school. You you went to the same. Well, you and Jeff and I and Martha, we all went to the same. Well. Yeah, Mankato State University. We all we all we all graduated from Mankato State University, which no longer exists. It's now Minnesota State Mankato. You know, did did your education help you at all prepare to bring your faith into the workplace? Absolutely not. Um, however, I can tell you that um, what's cool is a private school is going to give you an education that really prepares you for life as well as particular skills. My state-based education gave me great skills. I passed the CPA exam on the first try, and I know the reason I was able to do that is because the school that I went to had a great accounting program, and people passed on the first time as long as they applied themselves. So what I went into the workplace with was a 
very solid foundation in the technical details of how to do accounting, but I had no clue how to integrate my faith. And did either of the churches that you were going to, well, of course, I know the answer to this question because we went to the same church for, well, that's not true. As adults, we didn't. But did your churches prepare you for how to bring your faith into the workplace? Uh, For me, not as much. Maybe just because I'm not thinking about it as much as when we were in college and we had, we were immersed in that every single day. This is what you're doing now. This is what you're going to be doing hopefully in the next couple of years. And here's what you're going to encounter. I mean, we talked about the work world all the time. What about your church now, Cass? Does your church uh, now help you see a way to integrate your faith into your workplace on a day-to-day basis? Yes, we um, are new members to a very small church, and we're just kind of getting involved there in some outside things. But yes, everything is applicable. I mean, you learn new things every time. But are they specific in driving it home? Because yes, everything is applicable. But sometimes, honestly, until my eyes were opened in 2006, I never really thought about what does it really look like to to be a Christ follower in the workplace and be a light in the workplace. That that's my mission field. I never thought about that. I mean, does your church help you apply that, or do you? have to just do that applying on your own i think i'm doing most of that applying on my own right now all right so what about you i mean the church you were growing up in did that church ever help you apply that your faith to your workplace i would say no and i think it's because it's kind of a strange thing until recently where people even talked about how do i take what i'm learning on sunday morning and apply it monday through friday that's a fairly new concept in Uh, churches it is not though that's that's the weird thing now you guys were going to a lutheran church at the time and martin luther who founded the lutheran church he actually the reformation was all about our workplaces matter. All about that no matter what we did, we could give glory to God with what we did. So that was 1547 or whatever. So so it actually, it's not a new thing. It had gotten so lost in religion that it, in the last 60, 70 years, when the Industrial Revolution really took over this country, it got lost. But it's not a new thing. It is actually a very old thing. Martin Luther is the one in his rebellion against the Catholic Church and against the sacred versus the secular divide actually said, hey, the scriptures don't say this. The scriptures actually say that whatever you do, do it all for the glory of the Lord. So so that's that's the frustrating part, is that we grew up in a church together, Evangelical Free Church, uh, and then I know you guys moved on to, to Prince of Peace Lutheran, that, that it they you know, act like this is a new thing, but it's really not. Right. The church that we go to now is a Christian and Missionary Alliance church called Freshwater, and they spend a ton of time pushing us out into the community, helping people around us, being very visible, being reaching out and being the hands and feet of Christ in whatever we're doing. And so the experience that Jeff and I have now at church is very different. They are not focused on pretty buildings or fancy stuff. They are all about the gospel and applying it to your life and have, making sure that you're growing, that you're connected and that you're reaching out. That's cool. That is cool. I mean, and I, that's the challenge that we send out to all of our listeners every day is is to go back to your pastors and say, hey, I keep hearing about that my faith should apply to my work, that my faith should apply to my work. Tell me, what does this mean? I mean, challenge your pastors out there. Let them know that you're hearing that your faith matters and that your workplace is your mission field and that you need to be equipped to be Jesus in that mission field. That's what you need to go back to your pastors with because it is so important that we are equipped. And that's that's the revolution we're trying to start here. We're trying to start that revolution in the workplace. All right. Talk to me about how do you give God glory with numbers? 
because you're both dealing with numbers. Cassie, how many you're dealing with the expense report division, as I understand it, within a large accounting firm? We're not going to give them any free plugs because you know we're not going to get any advertising dollars from. Them. I'm just kidding, <laughs> McGladry. Uh, how many expense report reports do you handle on a monthly basis? Well, I have a team that handles that. Well, you have a team, though. That means you're a supervisor. Yep. So you and your team handle how many? Um, we have about three thousand employees in our um, region. So twice a month. So we're looking at probably six to 8,000 expense reports a month. And are accuracy in those numbers important? Yes. Everything starts with... <laughs> so you um, just gave me that look like that was the stupidest <laughs> question, Uncle Jim, ever. Really? <laughs> is that, was that what, is that what no, you were thinking? <laughs> no, no. Everything starts with um, my, my team and that first kind of scrub of the data and catching um, any people who are not following firm policies or unethical behavior. I mean, we've encountered lots and lots of people trying to work the system or not follow firm policy. So that all starts with my team and goes to the next level. We're talking today with mother-daughter team Cassie Voss and Sue Wilson about how to glorify the Lord with numbers. And yes, these two fantastic ladies are part of my incredible family. My sister, Sue, my niece, Cassie, and... Cassie's father, Sue's husband, is sitting in the studio, too, but refusing to use the microphone. But hats off to my brother-in-law, Jeff Wilson, for putting up with me for over 37 years. All right, we're back. We're having this great conversation. Sue, you wanted to give the answer of how do you glorify the Lord with numbers? And when we come back after the bottom of the half hour, you'll get a chance to do that. Because right now, right now, Sue, it is time <laughs> for our book wait. highlight. It's time for our book highlight segment, of course. Our first book highlight today is a book that Cassie read for her master's degree program that she's taking and participating in. People, seriously, after the pro, okay, just take their name and we'll see if they're still on when I'm done. Uh, Cassie, you're going, you're getting your master's degree from Crown College, Sue. That's your college. You'll graduate sometime in 2017 with your master's degree. What was your favorite leadership book so far that you've had to read? Uh, I actually, my favorite book so far was in my uh, spiritual leadership class, and it's called Spiritual Leadership: Moving People onto God's Agenda, and um, that's written mm-hmm. by Blackaby. Was it Henry? Henry. Henry Blackaby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, basically, he's just giving some fundamental uh, guidelines as far as what it looks like to become an effective spiritual leader in the world and how to move people onto God's agenda. Perfect. Great book. Blackaby's got so much fantastic stuff out there. But that's not the book we're giving away today. Sue, we're giving away one of my favorite books, one of my top 10 faith and work books, 14 Tests All Leaders Must Face by Frank DiMazio. This was your book that you said, that's the book. Yeah, I actually just read this book for the second time. And I got to tell you, as I mature in my faith and in my position, it is so true that as God shapes us to be leaders and to be Christians who are in the workplace and shining our light, there are tests that he puts us through. And those tests are the test of time and the test of the word and the character and motivation and being a servant and being in the wilderness and misunderstanding things and the patience test, the frustration test, discouragement, warfare, self-will, vision, and usage. And Jim and I talked about this a little bit earlier that both of us can see when we read through this book that we have gone through most of these tests and sometimes more than one time. Well, if you run away from the test in the middle of it, God says, oh, yeah, really? Yeah, I wasn't yeah, done with you. Yet. Yeah, you haven't learned that one yet. So, all right, listen, but this is a great book. I've given this book out 20 times. 14 tests all leaders must face by Frank De- <laughs> Frank DiMazio. Great book. Get it for the leaders in your life. They need to see God's perspective on the test, the adversity that they're facing in their leadership position. And remember, you got to read this book. Don't wait for the movie. 
All right, we've got dynamic duo Sue Wilson, Cassie Voss in the studio today talking about how you can glorify God with accounting. Hard to believe. Most people don't look at accountants and go, well, there's some a rowdy bunch, right? I mean, you know, hey. <laughs> That's not very nice. Well, when you look at the people that cause the most trouble in our family, it's not the accountants. Hmm. (laughs) It's the salespeople. Your boy, me, you know, that kind of thing. Okay, so Sue, you were jealous because Cassie got to answer the question first and how do you glorify God with numbers. Cassie, you did a great job explaining, but your mom, she really wants to answer this question. Should we let her? Yes. She's been in the industry much longer than I have. Much longer. So her answer is going to be really good. More than your whole life. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. The best I, story, though, ever was oh, when was she mean. was in public accounting, and she was doing, this was the best thing, she was doing an audit of a milkshake firm that back down in southwestern Minnesota somewhere, yep. and I remember her calling me, I don't know how we're having this conversation, because we didn't have cell phones back then, because they didn't exist, and she talked about how certain local fast food chains that are nationwide put plastic in their milkshakes in order to help them stay firmer longer in the heat. <laughs> I remember thinking... It's true. I remember thinking that is really disgusting. Okay, so... Are you done interrupting done now. me now? Okay. Go ahead. Thanks. You're my older sister. I, I now I, I respect you and you could go now. Thanks. How do you Maybe glorify God with your numbers? Well, I want to tell you that um, for me, numbers have always been kind of a passion. My mom was a math teacher, so I always love to get the right answer. So... It's important, whatever you do, that you try to glorify God with whatever skills and whatever area that you are working in. But for me, with numbers, getting it right, presenting it fairly and responsibly, and also making sure that when the numbers don't tell a story that your boss doesn't want to hear, you still tell the story. The most important thing to me is my ethics and my integrity. I have had multiple multiple times in my career where I have walked away from my job, walked away from a good good gig from a pay standpoint because there wasn't integrity with the numbers. And that just drives you crazy. I mean, it just it just drives you crazy. Because there's a lot of people out there. I mean, Cassie, you already mentioned, I mean, people just trying to play the system. I mean, it's, you know, they're just all because you're handling thousands and thousands of reports that you're not going to catch it. I mean, and that's the case all the time. People skirting tax issues, things like that. It, it's tough. All right. So, you know, in this stage of life, okay, you guys are both supervisors. You you supervise people. And how have you been able to incorporate your faith into how you manage others? In, in your daily interactions with other people, that maybe your, your, your co-workers, the people that you're same level within the organization, and those people that report to, how are you handling that? I've actually had uh, an opportunity to build my team, and I have um, interviewed and hired them and trained them, so I've been able to teach them not only how to do the job, but also I've been able to show them my belief in being ethical and making good decisions and being honest and asking good questions. Um, And it shows. It shows in my team. I have... It's an entry-level position, but I have people that have been there for four years. Um, people recognize us all over the region, all over the firm for um, the job that we're doing. But specifically, how have you used your faith in Christ to touch those people? What, what, what specifically are you able to do? Have you been able to pray with them? What are some of the things you've been able to do? I have a wide range of people on my team, but um, when we talk about something very simple is what you what you did over the weekend, the fact that I went to church and... Um, talking about that or uh, we have different cultures different beliefs but we all kind of come together and discuss kind of just things that happen over the weekend 
she's forgetting something really yeah. important. God has given uh, Cassie a team of people that really needed her as a supervisor. And she's been able to care for them as people when they've had uh, right. physical needs, they've had emotional needs. And you have really shown God's love to them in an incredible way as they've struggled through some of life's hardest things, really deep sicknesses and home sicknesses and tragedies. Tragedies, yeah. So don't underestimate the impact you've had on no, them. And that is, it's huge, and and you're making an impact. And those are things that people will talk about. We talked yesterday about legacy on the show, and you're leaving a spiritual legacy on those people. I mean, what, what will those people say about you when they move on to their next job? That's what's important, and how are, how are you touching them? Sue, what about you? I mean, you've got people reporting to you, you've got, and they're IT people, and we all know, you know, because I'm an IT person, we know how they are. And you've got you've got accountants reporting to you, you've got finance people, you, don't, you have everything but the school people reporting to you in your position. At right. Crown College everything in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota. Yep, everything except for academics. Found online at crown.org. No, crown.edu. Crown.edu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crown.edu. Crown's an awesome place to send your student if you're thinking about it. But, um, you know, I have all managers that report to me, and that's a little bit different than what Cassie has because she's supervising people who are fairly young in their careers. I'm supervising some people who have 30 to 40 years under their belts in their careers. The difference is I get to care for them in a different way. Um, We do get to pray together because it's a Christian school, and I do get to hold them accountable in different ways because I can hold them accountable with their faith and how they actually use their faith at work as well as how they do their jobs. One of the things that's most important to me is that they know that I care about them individually as well as I care about the quality of their work and the integrity of what they're doing. And that's something that I've been able to show them. I also am a servant leader, so I really want them to understand me and that I'm not going to ask them to do something unless I would do it myself. And I do a lot of menial jobs. I I actually picked weeds last year and enjoyed it. We got a whole team out there and picked weeds together to just beautify the campus. So for me, it's modeling what they I want them to do when they are serving their teams. And it's also me holding them accountable, keeping them honest, keeping the integrity level there, but also making sure that they know how much I deeply care for them as people. Well, and really, you've been there almost two years. It'll be two years this July, but you've already, the impact that you're making there is is noticeable. It's fun. It's been a journey that I never would have expected when I started my career in 1982 that this is where I would be right now. Wow, are you old. Yep, older than you anyway. (laughs) (laughs) He, he, He rubs it in quite often for those of you who are listening. That's what little brothers do. Yeah. It is. Okay. Okay, so have either of you ever had a job where you were told, hey, leave your faith at home, that doesn't belong here? Yeah, I came out of the banking industry, and we were told not to wear crosses, not to wear anything on us that would show that we have a faith. We weren't allowed to hang anything in our offices that showed that we had a faith. And I was disciplined a couple times for actually asking someone if I could pray for them. The banking industry just didn't didn't fare well with me on that. Hmm, that'd be tough. Cass, what about you? I haven't been told specifically to leave my faith at the door Um Larger corporations tend to um, have policies that allow for your beliefs to be, for you to act upon your beliefs if needed. So I've seen people uh, praying, walking through the skyways in in and out of our building. We have people um, 
praying, I've actually seen it. But um, I feel free to discuss my faith and uh, wear jewelry, you know, crosses. So I, I do so. Hmm. That's cool. I didn't. You never told me you couldn't wear a cross. Is that at your last banking either. job? Yeah, that was my last banking <laughs> job. We happened to serve um, mostly Jewish clients, and because of that. We weren't even allowed to say Merry Christmas because we might offend them. So that got really hard for me. What, what's great down here is I, I've, I've made a lot of friends in the Jewish community, and they're not offended by it, at least not down here. They, they Because they a lot of times they celebrate it, too. I mean, they celebrate Hanukkah and Christmas because it's part of the culture down here. So it's interesting. What about um, what's been the biggest issue, the challenge to your faith when dealing with accounting issues? What, do you, what, what has been the biggest challenge you've faced in doing your day-to-day, the, the drudgery of your day-to-day accounting stuff? Well, the biggest challenge of your faith. Sue? Well, for me, it probably relates to integrity and ethics. There have been times when I had to choose between my job and what I believed to be right and correct. And that's a struggle because you have to... I actually left a job and didn't have another job lined up. And... I did that because I knew I couldn't stay there because they were doing something that was illegal. And um, I lost some friends, and I lost um, my boss was someone that I knew. And Jeff and I really believed that I was making the right decision. But sometimes you put your faith on the line, and you have to stand up for what's right, even though it might cost you. And that's hard. That, mm. is, that is the hardest thing I've done. <laughs> Yes, it is tough. Cassie, did you ever encounter that? What, what do you see as your biggest challenge to your faith on a day-to-day basis in your job now at McGladry? I don't know that I have um, as good of a, an example as you, but I mean... Every well, she's got time, way more years know, of years to get I'm those examples. Very, you know, much younger in my career, but I'm still <laughs> learning. I didn't mean that. I love you, sister. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> By the way, next to my wife, Martha, people need to know, my sister Sue is one of my very best friends. So, I mean, people need to know that. That's why I hassle her, because I don't want her to feel all gushy and mushy towards me, because then, you know, then she'd, you know, make me feel guilty about living 1,700 miles away from her. We can still do that. Yes, well, you can do that. And you can fly down and visit all the time, because <laughs> the weather here is way better. Yes. Go ahead. Okay, so challenges to your to your faith while you're in your day-to-day. I mean... Just trying to uphold the most ethical behavior, decision-making, um, teaching my team to do the same, teaching them to do the right things. And um, Do you ever give them the biblical basis to that, though? Let them know where that ethical, moral basis comes from? Not necessarily, but I could. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so what about in the management of people? Because really, it, our faith is normally challenged more when we're dealing with people. The numbers. <laughs> people people can be challenging. Those of you that are those people that aren't managers, you can be challenging. Those of you that are managers, you can be challenging too, but the people that you manage can be challenging. I mean, dealing with people, because we all bring our... Th- this is what's, what's funny, is that a lot of people don't think about this, but you know, when your life at home is a mess, when you go to work, you don't leave it at home. Just in case you're thinking that you do, you don't. And so you have to deal with those issues that come with you. So in managing people, Cass, have you ever... What's been the biggest challenge of your faith in the management of people? Have you had to fire anybody yet? Yes. That's fun, right? No. No, worst. I, yeah, not fun. I've consulted with my mom a lot on team-related issues. Any kind of, I mean, I'm still still learning. And my boss actually doesn't sit in Minneapolis with me. He's in Iowa, so he isn't there to kind of give that. Well, that's gonna guidance. be tough taking advice from an Iowa yeah. guy. Yeah. Is he a Hawkeyes he's fan, also, too? Um, no, he's from Missouri. Oh. 
<laughs> he's also not that much older than I am, so uh, he um, she, is still learning too. Right. Um, but uh, laying off people, downsizing, I've had to do some of those, put somebody on a performance improvement plan, Got, had some major um, medical and family issues that we've um, been challenged with that I've you pray through those things. I mean, how do you, how do you come up with the best solution in those areas? Yes, a lot of prayer, a lot of consulting with my mother, trusted advisors. That's yep, right. Yep, working through that, but it's not hmm. easy. No, it's not. You know, your grandfather, well, our Sue and my father said to us this: is one of the greatest things. If you don't, if you're letting somebody go and you don't lose sleep over it, you're, you're heartless. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, he always he always made that was very very important. Oh, and believe me, if if you can sleep, there's something wrong with you. But, uh, you know, on top of those really hard things where I've laid people off and also had to let someone go because of something that they did wrong or uh, just a performance issue, sometimes we have to deal with reshaping a person, reshaping their expectations, reshaping their skill sets, and helping them along the way. And, boy, that can be just as hard because you have to soften their hearts and you have them get them to see themselves a little differently and you have to get them to see you differently and that's sometimes harder than just letting it go and firing them is actually working with them i've got a situation right now that i'm working through and i think i've probably learned more than this particular person has and god is using me and i know that but at the same time it is hard it's hard to be patient it's hard to hold them accountable and it's hard because they're disruptive to other people around them well and that's the toughest challenge when you deal with difficult people that sometimes need to have their future freed they yeah. need they need their future freed so that they can pursue other opportunities uh, but it, because we're Christ followers, to extend that grace and to give them a chance to really redeem themselves, to be restored, you know, we sometimes go probably a little further than we should. But, you know, you want to give people a chance because it impacts not only them, but their wives or husbands or their children. I mean, it's it's a big deal. I mean, it impacts the way they pay bills. And Cassie, you're doing a lot of young people, so they probably don't have a month's worth of savings to even go with. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I will say is in a Christian organization like I have today, um, sometimes they throw that back in your face. Because when you say, you know, I'm going to put you on a performance improvement plan and I expect this, this, this and this to change, they'll go, well, you're not being a very good Christian. So for those of you who work in Christian environments, I would encourage you still hold them accountable. You it's our obligation to be God-honoring in making sure that they're doing what they should be doing instead of letting them slide because we're Christians. Well, it's also very important to uh, note that when we are putting people on performance improvement plans or letting them go, that there is a lot of Christ following, a lot of biblical basis for that. Discipline is very scriptural. We've been talking all hour long about how we can glorify God with numbers. We've got two accountants, two people that deal with numbers all day long. My sister, Sue Wilson, who works at Crown College in Minnesota, and Cassie my niece, who works at McGladry in Minneapolis, doing working in the accounting department and expense department. I have no idea what your title is. It's very tough. I apologize. Okay, so, but we're talking about the challenges. You know, we haven't even dealt with the challenges. And maybe this is a question. It's not on the list, so you can be mad at me over dinner. As a woman, do you get treated differently than the men who are at your same level in your in your uh, businesses? Cassie, you're not going to go first. Sue, you go first. This is a loaded question. Yeah, this is a really loaded question. But it's 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 this is 2015 for those people that are listening. 
But if you go back to where I started, I started in public accounting in 1982. Holy smokes. Did they have running water back then? Yeah. Okay. And cell phones look like bricks. They didn't have cell phones in 82? They did. It doesn't matter. Popular mechanics maybe had them, but I don't think normal people had them. I had a computer. Looked like a sewing machine. I had one of those computers as well. Yes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But really, the answer is yes. Men and women are treated differently. They still are treated differently. We've made great strides in equality, but a lot of it has to do with how you expect to be treated as well. If I go in and demand respect instead of earning it, I'm never going to have it. I need to make sure that I'm really one of the guys, one of the team, and that I earn respect, that I earn trust from those people that I work with, whether they are men or women. But you can't demand that. And I think that that's what the women's movement did wrong, is they came in and said, we demand equality instead of actually earning it. Cassie, what about you? You're, you're in a younger generation. The millennials approach life very, very differently. Do you see, in, in your level, are there men at your level in the company? Um. I, no. Okay, I'm they're the not. only one at my level, actually. You're the only woman? in my position. Oh, they created your position. Mm-hmm. Okay, but people that have those kind of supervisory positions, do you feel like you're treated differently than the men in your in your company? You know, I don't feel that way. I feel like we're treated pretty fairly. Um, I'm definitely heard within, the, within our department. I have a director and our um, CFO are both men. They're great guys. I've had a great experience, but this has been this is my only job. I've only worked at McGuadry outside of my college career. So well, it's a great job. I'm proud of you for having it. It's good. I'm I'm hoping you make enough money to not only support your parents with yeah. the role, but also your aunt and uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. Uh, in fact, if you want to get McGuadry to be one of the national sponsors yeah. when we take the show okay. national, that'd be great. Okay, okay, listen. Where do you go for encouragement when you're having those tough, crappy days and you don't feel like being a Christian in the workplace? Where do you go for your encouragement? Where do you go? My mom. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And your dad. It's true. I. It's really true. I go home and I talk to Chad, my husband, and I mean we both vent at each other. But I, um, I call my mom. She's knows a lot more than I do. She's a great encourager. She's always there to give me advice. I think one of the things that's important is that I know you, mm-hmm. so it's easy for me to give you encouragement. So I would encourage our listeners to go. And find someone who really knows you, who knows your heart. Because when you know someone's heart, it's easier to give them advice and to help them along the way. Yeah, it is very important. So, Sue, who do you go to for encouragement? When you're, when you're having one of those tough days, where do you go? Well, I've been married for 32 years, so it's usually my husband, Jeff, that I, hear, that I talk to first. And I do talk to you quite a bit when I get discouraged at work. And I always go to the Word. I spend time... I'll go into the Psalms. I'll go into an area that I know I'm going to find encouragement. So um, I go to I go to I go to the Lord in prayer, and I go to the Lord in His Word. Cool. All right, well, it's been a great discussion, and we've come to the end of another I Work for Him show. Fantastic. Next time you guys are in town, I'll let you guys pick the topic. Okay. Okay. We can go any direction you want. In fact, Jeff, we'll get you to talk in the next show. I promise. You'll, you will talk. We'll find something you want to talk about. We can talk about car repairs. We can talk about... I would. That's the conversation everybody really wants to hear, is how do you apply your faith as a service manager in a Mercedes dealership? That's what people really want to hear. That's, what I re- that's the story I really want to bring today. I really want to bring that home today. 
But I, I didn't put too much pressure on my brother-in-law because I, I love him, and I don't want him to, I don't know, burn my bed in the middle of the night or something like that. All right, listen. I'm looking for a 1,000 people in Tampa Bay to sign up on the I Work For Him website, to contact us on the I Work For Him website, and make a commitment to become part of the I Work For Him nation. A 1,000 people to start praying for their coworkers and employees and looking for ways, changes in behaviors where you're given an opportunity to say, hey, can I pray with you on that? I'm looking for a thousand people to start looking for ways to reach out to those employees, coworkers outside of the office where you can develop relationships where your faith in Christ can be made known even more openly. I'm looking for a thousand people to look for ways to serve those people they work with each and every day. I'm looking for a thousand people to be the best and brightest examples of a people of a people of a person in your position. I want the Christ followers in this Tampa Bay to be the best workers of anyone workers in any business across the bay. I'm looking for a thousand people to be a consistent witness at home, in your neighborhood, in your office for people to be able to recognize that you're a Christ follower no matter where you are contact me on Facebook just look for I Work For Him. Contact me by email, Jim at I Work For Him contact us on the website subscribe on the website let me know you're listening let me know you want to take that challenge each and every day as you go to the workplace you're listening to the i work for him show with your host jim brangenberg i'm a christ follower who owns my own business but ultimately i work for him